Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Before we reflect on the scriptures together, um, there is a message that I, I received last night that I agreed to share with the church and then I forgot during testimony time. Um, our dear sister, Aklai Ernest Wallace, sent me uh, a text. Just um, uh, She and her family just moved to London in early July. Her husband, Kenny, is with us today. They have a daughter named Hattie. And uh, Aklai has psoriasis, which is a really significant skin disease uh, or disorder. And because of the psoriasis, she's not able to come and worship with us outdoors. Um, But she's asking us to pray because tomorrow afternoon, she has an appointment with uh, a skin specialist, which is amazing because originally she wasn't able to, to... to get an appointment before, I think, October 18th or something like that. So we're really thankful that she'll have the appointment tomorrow. Uh, But we need to pray for her that this appointment would lead to really transformative change for her. Uh, The psoriasis is really a significant source of suffering. So so let's just pray quickly for her, and then we'll reflect on the scriptures together. God, we lift up a client to you. We ask that even right now in her home, you would minister comfort and healing to her. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to connect her with all of the healing resources that are available here in this area and beyond. We ask that you would bring wholeness to her body and that the agony of this psoriasis would end. We ask, God, that you would protect her heart, her spirit in the middle of this long waiting. Uh, Lord, would you give her strength and hope. And God, we look forward to the time when we will celebrate her strength and healing together. And And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, for those of you who are with us for the first time today, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm trying to remember to say often is that at Mosaic, one of the ways that we live out this reality of being the body of Christ and being the intercultural, or as Pastor James talked about, the rainbow people of God, um, is that we follow this schedule of, of Bible reading that uh, the church all around the world follows. People from lots of different Christian traditions follow it. It's called the lectionary. And each Sunday, there's a psalm, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and a a gospel reading. And so we've had in our service today the psalm uh, that goes with with today. We've we've read from the book of James, which is the New Testament reading. And I'm going to just share uh, briefly from the Gospel of Mark, which is the gospel reading for today. So if you've got a digital Bible or an analog Bible... You can uh, turn to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to start reading at verse 38, but I do need to give you a bit of context. So if you started, if you were to just glance over Mark chapter 9, verse 30, uh, it's this really interesting phase of, of Jesus' ministry, this interesting story. So Jesus wants some time alone with his disciples. He's going to teach them that he needs to suffer and die, and that he will rise from the dead. And of course, they can't understand that. And, uh, but he wants time alone with them. And 
and you know, like Jesus walked around from place to place with his disciples. So they get into this place where Jesus is, is alone with them. And he asks them, hey, guys, what were you talking about while you were walking down the road? And they are silent because they were arguing about which of them was the greatest. I'm better than you, Peter. No, I'm better than you, John. And Jesus sits down and he calls them to him and he says, guys, if anybody among you wants to be the first, you need to be the last and the servant of everybody. And then he takes a little child. And this is what the passage that Patricia and Moses preached on last week. And he has this little child sit down and and he embraces this child, takes the child in his arms. And he says, anybody who welcomes a little child like this, right, in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And this is where we pick up the story. Verse 38. Teacher, said John, one of Jesus' disciples, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this passage makes me laugh because what on earth does it mean? Everybody's going to be salted with fire? What? How do you have salt among yourselves? What does, the, what, what does this mean? So we, we need to, to capture the context, okay? You've got Jesus' disciples who are arguing on the road about who is the greatest. And Jesus is very clear with them that he's going to be rejected, he's going to die, he's going to be raised from the dead. Jesus is not going to be the greatest. He's not trying to be the greatest. In fact, he is on the way to the cross where he will pour out his life for us. And then he says, guys, if you want to be the, if you want to be the first, you need to be the last. You need to be like this little child. And one of the things that's really important about little child, to add on to the beautiful teaching that our sister Patricia gave last week, is that little children in that culture are not important. They're important in the sense that they can contribute to the family, they can grow up, and they can become adults. 
But we, like these, like at this time, in the Roman context, which is the, the audience that Mark is writing to, these Roman Christians would have walked around the city and they would have seen uh, piles of garbage with babies on top of the garbage. Because if you had a child, particularly a girl, a, a, a girl and you did not want that child because she's not going to bring honor to the family, she's not, gonna, she's not going to be able to work, then you discard the baby. Children were not important in the Roman culture back then, unless they were healthy, strong, and could, could, could strengthen the family. And so when Jesus says you need to become like, you need to welcome, you need to welcome the little children in his name, he's saying you need to make space for those who are not important. You need to welcome those who are not important. And John, I just wonder, why did John open his mouth right then? Right? He's like, well, Jesus, there was a guy who was casting out demons in your name. We told him to stop. Is John feeling guilty? Is he thinking like, wait a minute, Jesus just said that we should welcome people that are not important and we should not try to be important. We just told a guy to stop. Like we, we excluded a guy. We told this man to stop doing what he was doing. Maybe John's feeling a little bit guilty. Maybe he's realizing that they're not, like, like Jesus is on this page and the disciples are over on this page. But a couple things I want to point out is that John, John says that we did it. Okay, so these are the disciples. This is like the church, right? Jesus' community of disciples looking at somebody over there and being like, hey, he's, he's, he's doing things in the name of Jesus with the authority of Jesus. We're going to tell them to stop because they don't belong to us. That is a full-on power move, right? That's like, we are the guys who get to determine who, who's important to Jesus. This person over here is not important because they're not clearly in our group. So we need to shut them down. And Jesus says, don't do that. Do not do that. And then he says, I'm telling you that nobody who does a miracle in my name can in the next breath say anything bad about me. The disciples' mindset has become about us and our crew and our little clique, if you will, our little friend group, disciples of Jesus. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You need to recognize that, it's, that Jesus is the center. And nobody who uses the authority of Jesus to do a miracle or to cast out demons is going to turn around and say anything bad about Jesus in the next breath. We should be concerned about what people are saying about Jesus more than we're concerned about whether people belong to our particular section of Jesus' family. But I want to point out that the two things that people are doing in Jesus' name, number one, are casting out demons, and number two, doing miracles. But Jesus has just told them, if you welcome a little child in my name, you welcome me. And then Jesus says, if anybody gives you a cup of cold water, in my name, like because you belong to the Messiah, they're not going to lose their reward. And this is, I hope that I can get this, if I, I hope that I can communicate this clearly. Apart from knowing Jesus, we are so set on exercising power, on using our Christianity, on using our whatever skills we have to build ourselves up, right? 
And we will look at people and be like, hey, this person leads in Jesus' name. They're fantastic. Let's go follow them. We'll look at this person and say, hey, this person is exercising uh, incredible power. They can do miracles in Jesus' name. We're going to flock to them and see them, right? Where this person's casting out demons. And look, like, let's go get our healing from that person. They are doing deeds of power in Jesus' name. And, and what happens is that you end up with, with churches where pastors like, like me are little kings, right? And kings not after the manner of Jesus, where they actually lay down their lives for their flock, but kings after the manner of all the kings of the nations, where they've got assistants all over the place, and they follow them around, and like, pastor, here's your water. Pastor, can we, care? Can we mop your brow? Pastor, can we, you know, pastor, what can we do for you? And that's evil. It's evil. What Jesus is after when Jesus did his miracles, when Jesus cast out demons, he was still headed towards the cross. He was not headed towards a great palace where all the world would bow before his power and might. He was headed towards the cross. He, he did the, the miracles. He did the casting out of demons so that the children, the people that are not important to this world, could experience the goodness of God. Those people who are not important in the world's eyes are important to God. Jesus wanted to offer a cup of cold water to those who are thirsty and suffering. And that's what he did. And he does that by joining us in our suffering, right? And by going with us, by, by, by taking our sin on himself, taking our death on himself, and going to the cross so that we can be set free. And so when Jesus says to his disciples, if anybody causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them if a millstone was put around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. His disciples had better pay attention because they have just gone and become a stumbling block to somebody, to a little one. Here's this guy out there who's not part of their group, doesn't know them personally, and, they, and he's trying to deliver people from their suffering in the name of Jesus. And his disciples said, no, stop. That is causing a little one to stumble, right? They're saying, dude, you are not important to Jesus. Dude, your people that you love are not important to Jesus. You're not one of us. So back up and sit down and find your place somewhere else. They are causing that person to stumble. So when Jesus says to his disciples, it'd be better for a person who does that if, if like they were drowned in the sea of chaos and, and horror where all the demons live, uh, you better wake up. The disciples are being warned here. And so the thing is, right, so the focus is not just on what you're doing wrong. The focus is how are you, how are we exercising the authority of Jesus to bring rest, welcome, a cup of cold water to those that Jesus loves. And anything in us that leads us to treat people that are important to God as though they're not really important, anything that in us that causes other people to stumble, we need to find that out and cut it off. Because that thing is evil and that will lead to our own destruction. Does that make sense? Now there's, there's some really practical ways that this works out. And again, this is not, this is not primarily about you as an individual. In terms of the context, 
Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he is addressing behavior that all of his disciples have been involved with. So let's think about some things. So we, we've heard all, already this morning about um, the experience of being family together in this church congregation. That is Jesus' presence in the church extending the welcome of God to people that the world does not consider important. That's all it is. It's people choosing to love others, no matter where they're coming from, with the love of Christ. Now, how many people do you know in your life who have, who have basically wondered whether Jesus is good news and have walked away from Christianity maybe because the church excluded them? Because when they showed up at a church, everybody already had their friend groups established and there was no breaking into that friend group. Nobody was willing to make space for the new people, right? And so those new people are coming to the church. They want to know the love of God. They want to worship God with the family of God. And they can't find a place of belonging. There's no space of welcome for the little children. And it causes them to stumble. It causes them to wonder, is Jesus really good news? Is this gospel that Jesus preached, is it real? it real? Because right now it just feels like I'm excluded and I'm not important. And so things like cliques, right? Like friend groups in our church that we are unwilling to get outside of, that's causing people to stumble. And whatever leads us to hold on to those friend groups and not say, hey, newcomers, people, people who are new, we're just going to take a long time to get to know you so that we can, we can learn how to be Jesus people together. Whatever keeps us from doing that, we need to find it out and cut it out. And if it's just straight up selfishness or like maybe we're blind, right? Maybe, maybe we just, maybe we're just so, all we can see is our friend group. All we can see are the things that are important to our own friends. That's normal. But like Corey just prayed at the end of our, our worship session, like God, awaken our hearts. Open up our eyes to see the causes of division among us so that we can welcome the people that are important to you. So clicks that we refuse to break open can be a powerful source of stumbling to the little ones that God loves. And, be, and if we treat people who are not part of our friend group as though they're not important to us, Jesus says, whatever's causing you to do that, cut it out because it's leading you into destruction. Right now in our time, we've got a really difficult situation around vaccinations, right? We, we haven't talked about it very much at Mosaic because it, it has not been an urgent thing for us. But in, in your workplaces, in our, in our neighborhoods, vaccinations are a big deal. And we have this system that's coming right now, right, where the government's trying to incentivize getting vaccinations. So the government's making it harder on people who do not have vaccinations so that those people will get vaccinations. One of the effects of that as you all know, is that people on either side of that line look at the other side and think y'all are crazy. And would you just stop causing us pain, right? And so for us as Jesus followers, we got to be careful because like wherever, like whatever our conviction around vaccinations, if we follow this route of saying to the people that disagree with us, you don't matter to God, we are in trouble. We have to treat the people that disagree with us as though they matter to God. 
And that means some difficult things, right? As a church, as church communities, we've got to figure out, what do, like, how do we love one another if some of us are not vaccinated? How do we figure out how to, uh, how to live with each other with the patience and grace and truth that God calls us to? It's not easy. But if we let the suspicion and the fear that is so prevalent in our, in our world right now, if we let that destroy our relationships, then we are going to cause one another to stumble. And it would be better for us if we had millstones around our necks and we were thrown into the sea. We don't want that. We got to figure it out. So, Let's go to the, to the very end where Jesus says, everybody's going to be salted with fire. This is where uh, it gets real. When he says that, I think what he is saying is that when we actually, uh, well, w- w- all right, there's a couple of ways you could take this. One is when we run into the consequences of causing other people to stumble and we repent and we realize like God needs to teach us to love others. God needs to teach us to extend the welcome and the love of God to other people. God needs to teach us to offer that cold cup of water to the little children. Then we are becoming salt. We're like the fire of the negative consequences of our actions salts our lives. It, and what salt does is two things, right? It brings out flavor in food, and it preserves food. So what happens, like, when we are salted, we actually get to tell the difference between right and wrong more clearly. We get to tell how, like, we can see the flavor in other people's lives and in our community. And we can see, oh, this is good, and we can preserve what's good. But we have to, we have to keep that. Like, when we learn what is good, when we learn how to love one another, when we learn how to extend God's welcome to each other, and we pass that gift on beyond those that we already belong with, we're, we're, we're being salted. We're, being, we're able to tell the flavor of, of what's good. And, and God is preserving us. He's preserving us by his grace. But salt needs to stay salty. Which is to say, you got to keep walking the road. You've got to keep extending God's hospitality to others. You've got to keep repenting. You've got to keep looking at what is causing you to make other people stumble. You've got to keep on going because otherwise you're not, going to be, you're not going to be salty very much. And so when he says, you need to have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another, what Jesus is saying, I believe, is family of God, the community of God's people, get right self-judgment. Understand yourselves. Understand what's happening in your own hearts. Right now, y'all are confused because you just told a guy who's trying to love his people in the name of Jesus to stop doing that. You need to have salt among yourselves. You got to be able to help each other discern what is good so that you can extend the blessing of God to other people. And when we have that salt, when we actually have relationships where we can talk about like, hey, what's it like for your people who, who want to know Jesus? And how can I help your people know Jesus? And how can I help you serve your friends so that they can know the goodness of Jesus? When we are at that place, we are being salt for one another. And when we can say to each other, hey, you know what? This attitude that, that I think I just did, demonstrated the other week was out of line. And I think I might be on this path of like causing other people to stumble. When we can say that to each other, 
then peace grows among us. And we're not going to be competing with each other, right? The concern is not whether I'm better than you or I'm smarter than you or anything like that. The point is, are we together living at peace, living like little children in the arms of our Heavenly Father and extending his welcome to those who need it? So that's the call of the church, week by week, month by month. We are called to be people who get salted with the goodness of Jesus, who put no stumbling block in the ways of other people, but actually help people experience God's welcome. I'm going to offer you just one more really practical thing for us as a church on this note. Many of us have grown up in churches with Sunday school. Anybody ever gone to Sunday school in their life? Yes, I'm seeing some hands. Oh, there's a lot of us. Okay, a lot of us have been to Sunday school. Okay. So, um, one of the things about Sunday school is that it can be a place where little children are caused to stumble, which is scary. Because say, say you're a little guy um, who, uh, I'm just going to say guy because I think I can identify with little boys a bit, although I've got three girls, so let's go with guy anyway. So you're a little guy, and uh, your, your home life is pretty stressful, and the adults in your life uh, do not practice like good boundaries, they do not care for themselves very well, they're up at all hours. You're basically running your own life. So uh, day by day, uh, you kind of got to get yourself ready for school. You come back from school and you're just on your video games or you're running around the neighborhood. Like nobody's teaching you to be regulated as an adult. You have no modeling. You go to class in your, in your school and um, maybe, maybe you stab somebody with a pencil. You're out in the hallway and um, you know that you're a problem. The principal is telling you you're a problem all the time. Teachers are treating you like you're a problem. And then somehow you get invited to church. And you go to Sunday school. And what's happening is that you, you're, like, there's a volunteer who's teaching you who loves Jesus like crazy and has no idea what to do with you. And so you're in the Sunday school class to learn about God. And all these other kids who, like, they're dressed really nice. And they all know the right answers about the Bible. And, uh, and frankly, they're a little bit annoying. And so you kind of, like, tease them or whatever. And, uh, and you get in trouble. And you realize, I don't belong in Sunday school. So, like, this thing is not for me. And what you experience when you come among God's people, the people who are worshiping Jesus, is that you don't belong. That's a tragedy. We have the opportunity as a church, and the calling as the church, to practice welcoming the little children. To welcome the little kids, like that little guy who we just who's a generic kid from lots of neighborhoods in our city, to welcome a kid like that and to learn about, like, okay, how do we create a Sunday school experience for a little guy who, who's coming from that place? How do we extend Jesus' welcome to him? And you know the complexities that come with that because what do you do with all the other kids, right? It's hard. But this is the kind of path that we as a church have walked before and we're called to walk it in the future we're called to be in Northeast London, where kids do not succeed in school at the same rate that they do in other neighborhoods. But how amazing would it be if in everything that we do as a church, we learn how to make a welcome for those who are normally treated like they're unimportant and that they're a problem. That's what we want to be about because this is core to being the people of God.
to actually learn to sacrifice ourselves so that we can extend Jesus' welcome to others. We're going to come to the table to celebrate communion this morning. When we do that, we are, pro- we are proclaiming and celebrating the reality that God has done everything, everything necessary to welcome us into his presence. That our sin has been taken away by Jesus Christ, even though we are actually before our, our Heavenly Father way worse off than that little kid who doesn't belong in school or whatever, that, whatever like that. Our Heavenly Father has made a way by sending Jesus to welcome us into his presence. God has poured out his spirit on us so that we will be transformed and made whole in Jesus Christ. Jesus has defeated the powers of darkness in his death and resurrection. He has taken our burden on himself. He has taken our guilt on himself and he has overcome it all. So we'll just take a moment of prayer, a moment of quiet, and then we'll come and celebrate communion together. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Mosaic Church London.